You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? Thank you for tapping into Untapped Keg. We're here with episode 36. I'm one of your hosts, RJ Zimmerman, here with my brother-in-law, Monte Ball. Yes, indeed. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. We also have a special guest, uh, Mr. Tom Farley, at Mad Farley on Twitter. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> Listen to that are. applause track go. We're professionals. <laughs> applause track. I love it. The applause track. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Farley, what's up, man? Oh, man, it's, uh, you know, hey, just another day in COVID. Who knows? <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear so you. True. So it's true. Fun, uh, it's fun. It's been a fun trip this year, isn't it? Mm. Quite the tw- quite the year, huh, 2020. You you never know what to expect, huh? You, really you know, don't. it's really funny when you look back because everyone, like, was talking about, like, you know, 2020 and, like, 2020 vision. Like, <laughs> like this is going to be a great year. Everything's going to tie in. It's going to be everything's focused 2020. And, and <laughs> everything went off the cliff. It's like, yeah. okay, well, let's uh, – let's time to be a little uh, innovative. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> a 2020 vision. I, I said it too last year. 2020 vision next year. Well, I didn't see this happening. So yeah, you know my eyes checked again. <laughs> uh, well, we are excited, man, to have you. Very, very excited to have you. We appreciate you hopping on. Um, awesome. RJ, I'll let you take it away, man. Yeah, th- thank you for your flexibility, too, for when I got called uh, called down south to help get people some power back. Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a trip for sure. So, And then talking about COVID, uh, we actually had two people test positive for COVID. Uh, coming back from the trip so i've been in a hotel till like a couple days after i got back just because i needed to wait for my covid test once i got to wisconsin to be negative so Mm. it's been a trip that's for sure but uh yeah where where do we want to start monster we want to start with something a little more serious do we want to start something with with the badgers i like uh i think we should let's 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 hit a little bit of a serious topic now then let's get into some football yeah and then obviously chat about uh, i like it mr farley's book so uh you know uh mr farley man again thank you for for hopping on to our podcast untapped keg so we chose the name untapped keg which you know i give credit to rj for that because both of us (coughs) are sober both of us um understood that alcohol is something that we most definitely cannot take with us into the rest of the years of our lives. We had to leave it where it's at in order for us to, uh, you know, you know, be who we are today. Um, So untapped keg, it has the chains across the keg and, you know, we just got (laughs) to, you know, obviously refrain from drinking alcohol. So um, I believe you're in recovery too, correct? Hundred percent, absolutely. Been uh, just hit two years. Uh, there we go, man. About two weeks ago, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, boy, it's uh, I. You know, once again, one, one thing about I just wish I'd done it sooner. That's all. You know, I, I hear you. But uh, I hear yeah, you, man. It's feeling real good right now, so can't complain. Well, we always say better late than never, for sure. And everyone has their, you know, everyone's on their own journey. There's no. 
no. time. There's no checkpoints or where you need to be. No, it's, it's whenever you're ready and uh, you're charting your own path. But, you know, we obviously want to help you along the way. So, so that's awesome, man. You know, what was interesting is, um, you know, I, I, I have had periods in my life where I stopped drinking, you know, when my kids were growing up and, um, and I just said, okay, I, I don't really want them to grow up in the environments I grew up in. So I just, I stopped drinking and I, my, my, uh, my um, threshold is about four or five years uh, of just white knuckling it, not, not doing any sort of program or anything. And I always came back and, you know, I always came back like a champion, by, by the way, uh, it was good to see that, you know, I could come back and, you know, be in fighting condition so quickly, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so this last time, you know, I felt it was that uh, once again, you know um, uh, you know, my conscious was saying, you know, maybe we should look at this again, but this time I did it differently. I, I, I actually, you know, took it, you know, went into the, you know, started doing the program, the steps and everything. And that just made all the difference in the world. I mean, I just noticed such a, because, you know, I was only addressing part of the problem. You know, I was, mm. you know, I was not drinking. Okay, great. That's, that's obviously a big one, but you know, the, the, you know, the reasons why and things like that and, and, and just really um, changing, you know, you know, myself and the way I think about things and, my, and think about myself. Um, that was what was driving all of it as well. You know, I know alcohol wasn't good for me, but um, I didn't know, you know, kind of like what were the, you know, what were the switches that were turning on every time, mm. you know, to make me, you know, you know, um, knowing that it's not good for you is great. But if you aren't addressing the things that, you know, like keep, keeping you coming back to it, um, you know, that that's it, 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 it drives on it. It, dry, it just touches on an insanity that absolutely could drive you nuts. So this is the, this is the big difference. As I said, I I've been sober before, but um, it just wasn't it wasn't the same. It, it was always like and, and I always had friends around me that were like, you know, OK, are you done yet? Are you, you, know, you when are you coming back? Uh, now people don't even talk to me about, you know, I just say I'm in recovery and I'm, you know, doing this grind, and, and everyone's fine with that. So it, it was, a, it's a huge difference. I, yeah. So from when I first started to how it is now, I agree. Like the acceptance of the mental health aspect yeah. is it's such a, we're, we're at a, you know, different time and it's, it's great. It's fantastic. You know, that's something that Mons and I talk about. You're talking about like mm-hmm. not just being, sober and not drinking, but addressing like your emotions, because one of the reasons that I would drink so much is to just drown out my emotions, to not have to feel, to be numb. And I kind of thought that that was a little bit cool at the time or, you know, trying to be logical, be like Spock, be logical, be, you know, try not to Mm. be all about your emotions, but obviously, uh, that that is a big driver behind it. And when we encompass kind of everything, that's something that Mons is, uh, you know, a holistic approach on everything. Um, and that's something that I'm still trying to come to terms with as well in the sobriety is yeah emotional <clears throat> intelligence. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's the word right there. Yeah. I love it, fellas. I really do. I love I love these conversations because that's that's you know, Mister Farley. That's kind of what. Like RJ just stated, kind of what we talked about, ooh, what episode? Which is probably about six, seven, eight episodes ago. We really dove into it, and uh, 
Yeah, you know, kind of echoing exactly what RJ said, you know, we we got to the point to where just just being dry from alcohol isn't enough. Um, you know, it's obviously it's a, it's a huge part of it just like you stated Tom, huge part of it, but then really going to therapy or going to uh, you know, AA or 12 steps, what have you to really figure out what was driving you to self-medicate. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously a big one for me um, as I've, you know, did numerous articles about is just the amount of pressure, man, the societal pressures, um, familial pressures that I had to perform at such a high level. Um, you know, I would drink to, to, to drown out my feelings, not really understanding how to work through emotions at such a young age. And, uh, you know, I was cracking under pressure. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll go a little deeper than that. And I, and I know you're probably exploring that too, but yeah. uh, this is what I was, you know, um, for me, it was, I wasn't really performing at a high level, but, um, but what I was, was trying to be um, something that everyone, I thought everyone else wanted me to be. Mm, and, that's a big one. You know, I, I haven't been Tom Farley for the longest time. I was always, you know, Tom Farley, Chris Farley's brother. And mm. um, I embrace that, you know, I, you know, um, it's always, you know, I had to be the, the, the funny guy and just, you know, always cracking jokes and always, and just, just being this out, you know, just out, you know, just outgoing kind of person. I'm not really that much of a, uh, extrovert. I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, both. So, um, knowing that, knowing that's like, God, this really isn't me, but this is, I'm, I'm doing this for everyone else, man. I had to, I had to drink to deal with that. And, uh, the the really cool thing about recovery now is um, is really kind of figuring out you know for the first time in life like who, who is this person who am I mm. and who do I who do I truly want to be and I'm in control of that and I'm I'm the driver and that feels great but um, it's it's such a relief because yeah I was I was um, I was being I was being there for everyone else, you know. I like I like that uh, take on it because I always I like to you know I'm a visual learner, so I always yeah you know visualize it as because I because I can 100 percent agree with what you're stating and what you're saying is is you know when I would show up to parties and stuff, it's almost like I was putting on a clown suit. Um, you know, I was losing myself, putting on the clown suit, putting on the makeup, putting on the red nose, making them laugh, yep. yeah, being the life of the party. Uh, you know, it, which was making myself feel better about myself. But sure. essentially, you know, when you go home and take off the, the paint, take off the red nose and everything, you don't know who you're looking at in the mirror, um, which is, which, which is sad. It really is. Yeah. And just, um, you probably get it more than me. Um, uh, you know, a lot, I'm sure you do a lot, more, a lot more, but just like, man, just the little things like, you know, the selfies, can I take a picture with you? It's like, why? Mm. Me, <laughs> from Madison, like I'm Tom Farley, like I, you know, whatever. Okay, you know, go ahead. Uh, and you know, it's just, it's just it was all kind of just funny to me, but it also, you know, it takes a toll. You know, it, mm. it's like, I like yeah, you know, you want to have. I a- like the insight, man. I really love the insight. Um, 100%. Now, RJ, I remember you saying something very similar too, man, right. About, yeah, about yeah, like in in how, college, I remember yeah. my friends I was single and a lot of my friends had uh serious relationships at the time so they would kind of like live through me a little bit. So 
you know, you'd, you'd get me a certain amount of alcohol in me and I'd be, uh, I would be the one going up to women to talk and, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking a different woman home just about every night. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you wake up in the morning and it's all, you know, thank you, be on your way. But then it's like, well, you know, it's just this emptiness, this feeling mm-hmm. of why. And then when I started to catch on to what they were doing too, it was like, you know, they're only my friend because I'm the show, right? Yep. Like I'm their entertainment almost. So, uh, yeah, I definitely, when you were talking about your story there, I kind of, I felt that more than a little bit. So, yeah. um, it's, you know, being, being sober for other people, it goes a long way too. And Mons and I have talked about this, but oh, that's huge. in order for it to really take hold <laughs> as far as this is my opinion, this is my theory. Like you have to do it for yourself. Like yep. this is the one time where the selfish reasons go the furthest. Wow. Dude, um, you just totally turned that full circle. <laughs> I'd never thought of that before. I mean, I always embraced the the fellowship, you know, and being there for other people, but I yep. never connected those two thoughts. Wow, that's huge. That really is. Uh, you know, here I was like being this person for everyone else. Now I get to be this person for other sober people. And it's the same thing, but it feels so much more natural and, 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 you know, just important and critical. Mm. Wow. That, that's, that's, um, that's good, man. I, I love that. And, you know, you know that the best person you can be for everybody else is the sober person. So, like being doing this selfish act actually does help everybody else with some positivity, but mm-hmm. um, it's the it, it really is. It feels like to me like seeing other people kind of go on their journey. That when you finally make the decision for yourself, that's when it starts to take more root. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know, I was, I I I would give up alcohol for you know, a few months at a time. I think I went a year without it for a while. I didn't start drinking until I was like almost 19. So like I waited a little bit longer than some oh, people. Yeah. I know we're talking about Wisconsin. So I know that like, <laughs> it's a little different. But, yeah, like, I was just going to say, like, you're not from Wisconsin, <laughs> are you? <laughs> right. So, yeah. So like I, that was kind of when I started, but I didn't really get heavy into it till, I got to college and yeah, I did after after college, like I would go months without drinking. But then when I did get drunk, man, Mm -hmm. I got drunk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was going to be no alcohol left in the house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but that's just so normative, especially around here. Yeah. It doesn't stick up. People ask me all the time about my brother. Like, well, when did you notice he had a problem? It's like, we didn't. Because, you know, what he was doing, well, first of all, we were doing the same thing. And everyone else around us was doing the same thing. So he didn't seem like he was out of, you know, uh, out of control. And again, you, you, you know, everyone's, everyone's body's different. So we didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, we thought, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's, this is, this is tough. Uh, to identify those kind of things around here. It is. And that's, that's, you know, that's, that's my, um, you know, that's what I'm trying to fight right now, you know, and, and and not necessarily fight, I guess, address, Uh, I should say here in the state of Wisconsin, because I've always stated it, you know, once I became sober and once I started to do the things that I needed to do in order to better myself, obviously I started to really, you know, 
you know, take the lenses off and, and see what's going on around here in Wisconsin. And I was like, man, you know, we, we pat ourselves on the back for being one of, if not the drunkest state in America. And it's like, well, I feel like if we have that title, then we could then be the state that can help so many people out yeah. <laughs> uh, from drinking. We can, we can do the same thing. Um, you know, I, and so, yeah, I, I think that it needs to be addressed here in this state. You know, the underage drinking, the, you know, how alcohol is advertised uh, because it, it, it affects many families, as we all know. Well, we never saw it more um, on display than um, during, you know, a pandemic. We couldn't mm. even, you know, stay out of the taverns in a pandemic. Right. And that's why we've remained you know, uh, you know, a red state, a COVID red state, uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, the, you know, even our Supreme Court said we have to open up the bars. You know, I mean, even our, you know, the people that we trust, um, you know, that was more valuable right. uh, than um, than our health. That's 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 mind blowing. It really, really is. It, it really, really is. No. And it's one of those things, too, where, you know, the Tavern League has been one mm-hmm. of the – I know mm-hmm. small businesses have been hit hardest during this time. And um, I know that the Tavern League is out there trying to fight for their members. But instead of trying to take a collection up to try to get the – make people through rent, trying to help right. people uh, get through it, they're going against the public safety of – everybody i mean you're gonna have owners that catch it and we don't know the long-term ramifications let alone the short-term hospitalization you know possible death like yeah it's it's very frustrating especially when it with it being as rampant as it is in wisconsin and people you know just not understand not being able to stay out of the bars, just mm, the yeah. bar culture, I guess. Well, those conversations, you know, as I said, the powerful Tavern League should be, should have been talking to, you know, the, um, you know, the, 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 the landlord associations and stuff like that and say, look, we're all in this together. You mm, know, yes. You know, you need to you know ease up on your, on your, uh, you know, rent that you're charging these bars because uh, they're not going to be able to pay you if you, you know, if you keep, True. it's just, it, you know, it, it, instead of, it's just everyone's kind of on their own, kind of, you know, trying to survive on their own. It's just sort of been a, a more collective effort. You know, it's, it's, I, I used to talk awful lot about, um, um, you know, after Chris died, my, my father died like a year after Chris and, uh, um, you know, dad was the one that he worked, uh, he was a, he had a, um, uh, asphalt contracted company. So he would get contracts to pave all the roads in the, in the state and with asphalt. And, um, uh, he would just take us around the state, like all, all these like great little towns. And, and, um, he just knew every, every little town, um, mostly by which like tavern, you know, uh, made the best burger. You <laughs> 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 would go by, you know, like that place can saute a mushroom like oh. business. Um, but, uh, so he gave us this love of the state and, um, uh, and that we've never lost. And I always talk about like after Chris and my dad died, you know, my family is still, 
um, you know, close and fun and we get together and it's, and it's great. And so we're still like kind of this great group, but there's something missing. There's just something, you know, those two big, you know, those voices are gone. And, and so it's changed. Our, our family's changed because of this loss, these two losses. And I look at the state the same way, you know, um, you know, we're, we're still going to be this beautiful, you know, you know, Midwestern state, you know, great people, hardworking, ethic, you know, strong work ethic and all that kind of stuff. Great history. Um, but if we don't handle this particular culture, drinking, mm-hmm. it will change. It'll still be Wisconsin. It'll still be beautiful. It'll still be all those things, just like my family. But it'll be different, and it'll be changed, and we're going to notice it, and it's going to be sad. Hmm. And that's what we're at risk here. I, I really liken it to my family and, and and our loss. And you know, yeah, it's still fun, but damn, you know, it would have been great yeah. if Chris and my dad, if we would have paid a little bit more attention to their health and helped them get through, um, you know, some of those things and kept them around a little longer. Well, man, we uh, <clears throat> well, we most definitely are sorry. Obviously, for, you know, sorry for your loss. Uh, you know, both 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 losses, of course. And uh, as we as RJ and I talk about numerous times here on on on, on Tapped Keg is, is yeah, alcoholism is you know rampant here, unfortunately, and it does affect many many yeah. families. So I just you know I pray that we can you know us three can do some great things here to help. Help you, yeah. You know, one family. I say one thing is, is is I kind of feel blessed in in one respect in that, um, and we're we're demonstrating it right here, right now. Is um, uh, you know, after my dad died, um, that that loss, um, you know, I I feel that probably more than than Chris, um, you know, the loss of my father, but you know, and and that loss is more like. Most people's loss of a of a loved one, family member, is after six months. No one asked me about. No one asked me about my dad anymore. You know Jeez. that 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 grief is my own, and that is what most people go through. You know, they have that that time where everyone is concerned and stuff. But then, you know, time passes, and that grief just becomes your own. But with Chris, it was amazing. I mean, there hasn't been a day in twenty plus years that somebody hasn't come and say, you know, either sorry for your loss, but more often it's like, God, remember this, this, when he did this or this movie, I love this thing. I loved your brother. And it's kept him so alive for me that, you know, he doesn't seem like he's been gone that long where my dad feels like he's been gone for forever. And so I feel blessed that I do get to talk about um, my brother, you know, like this on a daily basis, whether it's, whether it's his struggles or whether it's his, you know, his career and, and the, and the good stuff, it's still keeping him, you know, vibrant and alive. And I think, um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people don't, uh, most people don't, don't get to do that with, with the people they lose in their lives. So, um, mm. I, I, I cherish these moments. You know, this is probably, a good time let's transition to it let's talk about your book the oh, Chris sure. Farley show yeah right good, away. good um it's got pictures <laughs> perfect 
pop-up pop-up uh, pop-up book the pop-up pictures that was that was what most publishers like when i approached them was like you're fucking pop-up right <laughs> um so the chris farley show content are you gonna yeah so you know it was an interesting um so i was uh uh living in new york when chris died you know that's i lived out there for you know 17 years mm-hmm. and uh after he died um you know, I start, you know, we, we, you know, we started, you know, friends and family started, you know, we, we gathered for the funeral and everything and everything after that. And we, you know, the first thing we always did and the stuff, even when Chris was alive, that we always did was, you know, telling Chris Farley stories were, you know, just, you were the funniest guy in the room, just telling Chris Farley stories. It's like, you know, <laughs> remember when he did this or um, there was a time, oh, you should have been there when Chris did this, or did you hear what he did last night? It was just, it was so unbelievable and so funny that it just made you funny just talking about them. And I thought, wow, what a great book to take all these stories um, that, you know, everyone kind of knows, knew Chris through, you know, SNL and the movies, but there was so much more that was just hysterical and funny that he did like all the time. He was always doing the stuff. So I shopped it around and a lot of the publishers were like, yeah, that that's, that's great. I love these stories, but we also want to know, like the you know the um, you know the, the the hard stuff, you know, like what happened right. and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not ready for that just yet. So I put the book on hold, and what I did instead is I started going into schools and talking about Chris's story and kind of getting comfortable with telling that, you know, and 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 being open and honest about it, and. Um, started the Chris Farley foundation and all that kind of stuff. We can talk later about that. But, um, uh, about 10 years later, after I've been doing this for 10 years, um, uh, somebody approached me and uh, they had just done another author approached me that just done a book on Belushi, uh, talking to all these, you know, people in Belushi's lives. And he said, look, you know, the, a lot of these are the same people that, that knew Chris. So why don't we do one on Chris? And I said, that sounds like a good idea. And so we went and we shopped it and yeah, it it became a New York times bestseller. Um, So, but the neat thing about my book was um, if I had written a book about my brother, especially at that time, it would, through my, my eyes, it would have been completely different because it would have been, this is how I saw my brother. And instead we did this, you know, we interviewed people from growing up in Wisconsin to, you know, uh, the summers we spent at, at camp uh, in northern Wisconsin uh, to his time at Marquette to Second City in Chicago to New York, SNL to Hollywood and all these different people in you know, high school um, that, you know, from different phases of his life, from different, you know, um, you know, parts of, you know, um, you know, his world. And uh, they all told the same story. I was amazed at that. It's like, yeah. These two, you know, they didn't know Chris, you know, the, 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 they didn't know each other, but they knew Chris and they were, it was the same story. And, you know, uh, it really helped me a lot because I was, I was the older brother that had to share a bedroom with them and I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was convinced his whole purpose in life was to, you know, annoy and embarrass me for so long. And so, uh, you know, uh, you know, doing the book was really cathartic. It was like, I, as I said before, I, I, many times it's like I've, I've developed a, 
a better relationship with Chris, you know, you know, since he died, or at least I've added more layers to my relationship than I did when he was, when he was, you know, with us. Uh, that's, that's kind of the question I had uh, for you, Tom, is cause I, cause I loved, you know, once, you know, when we met, um, <clears throat> You know, when we had lunch and stuff and you shared all that stuff, uh, you know, this information, I kind of wanted to ask you that question of, you know, what do you what, ex- you know, how does that feel? What what exactly do you mean by, you know, your relationship now is is, is closer or or well, there are more layers than than when yeah. you know, Chris was alive? Well, one of the aspects is was uh, I realized that, you know, as I said, uh, convinced that he was just here to push my buttons um, and he was so good at it. And it, re- I realized in writing the book that, oh my, you know, um, all these years that here was Chris um, making this career, um, creating these, you know, characters that everyone still remembers twenty plus years later, but he was just being himself. You know, that character was Chris. I mean, he was just so mm-hmm. comfortable, and these characters were so good because it was him. And, you know, so he wasn't playing characters. He was playing Chris. And here I was, the older brother with all these, you know, expectations and and pressure to do perform that I was being this kind of this this caricature, this this, you know, this I was trying to create I was trying to create a character that I thought, Hmm. you know, my my father wanted me to be my friends wanted me to be and all this kind of stuff. And the whole time Chris was um, growing up, uh, you know, as I said, annoying me, what he was really saying was, Tommy, just be yourself, man. You know, he kind of knew that what I was showing people, he knew me better. And he was just like, I'm, but his, 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 his method, which I question to this day, was to, uh, <laughs> to, uh, Really just, you know, oh, you want to be the serious, you know, you know, uh, you know, smart older brother. I'm going to show the world you know, a different side to you. If you don't mind, here's what I'm going to. And, and that's what you would do. It was just and, you know, God, it just used to make me so mad. And uh, I look back now and I just laugh because he did it in just such funny ways. And I'm like, and it was just, I'll get, you know, like, I'll tell you, you know, a couple of stories. Oh, my God. We were. um we were uh we were altar boys so we had to be altar boys and um uh i get maybe dad thought we would like you know behave better in church if we were up on the altar not true um so uh we were up there and uh i remember one easter sunday mass and we were at uh saint rayfield's downtown the one that burnt down and there was like five priests on the altar with the, with the bishop and you know, Chris and I, have, you know, as all my brothers, we have severe ADD. So, like, we lose track of like what's going on in the church mass, like immediately. I'm I'm looking out into the in the, into the audience uh, to see like what friends I know out there from high school, and just so I could like make funny faces at them. Um, but there was this time in the mass back then um, where you in the Catholic mass where you had to ring a bell, you know, at a you know, at a, at a key point. And that mm-hmm. felt, that was my job because I was the oldest. So I had to, I had to be the bell ringer. So at this particular sun, uh, Easter Sunday mass, um, we're Chris and I are just, you know, goofing around and uh, not paying attention. And then all of a sudden <laughs> next to me, I hear 
Tommy, Tommy. I went, oh, oh, shoot. And I like grab the uh, bells and just start ringing them. And everyone on the altar, the all seven priests, uh, priest, or five priests just look over with this, what the hell are you doing look? And the shock, like, oh, my God, it was at least five minutes before I was supposed to do it. And the, 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 as soon as that shock hit me and the priest looking at me, all I heard next to me was, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you totally set me up. I'm like, I, I just, and we're on, well, I'm on the altar. I mean, I was ready to kill him, but I, I, you know, I couldn't do anything but like, sorry. Uh, you know, that's what he would do. And like, <laughs> that's funny, man. I mean, that's, you know, it just goes to show you, man, the, the relationship you guys had, which was awesome. It's, it's, you know, I, I, you know, I, I have two sisters, which obviously I love dearly, love them to death. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't have the opportunity to grow up with a brother like like yourself and RJ as well. So I can only imagine. I mean, if I had a brother, uh, probably wouldn't be alive today. So many jokes, so much daredevil stuff we would be doing. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I couldn't even oh, imagine. Man, and we were just so like. You know, competitive, just like the, the the driveway basketball games were just like turned into like a just freaking Donnybrook every time. But we were just so like we loved we it was great. There's four of us. So we were always out doing stuff. You know, Chris, I mean, and Chris, man, playing horse with him. I mean, he was just constantly talking. I mean, he was like the Larry Bird, like, you know, of the family. He was just just and he was so good. He was such a great athlete. He was just like burning shots and just talking trash the whole time. And it used to get me so hysterically mad. And uh, it always ended up in a fight. Same, same with the like the family monopoly games. Chris would, oh. you, know, you know, Chris would start winning and just rubbing it in, and just you know, it would end up with pieces on the floor. Us rolling around. <laughs> RJ, you remember? Uh, I was just going to bring that up. Christmas. <laughs> I remember two years ago a Monopoly game happening and uh, pieces ending up on the ground. And somebody yelled down, Hey, your nephew's leaving. Do you want to say bye? Bye. And that was, I was it. I was, I was, I was <laughs> and that was a 27 year old man. Yeah, right? yeah, I was pretty upset. <laughs> very competitive. Very competitive in this family. But. Uh, Tom, that that's that is that's awesome, man. And I, I want to obviously give you the opportunity to share with our listeners, man. Where where can they go get get the Chris Farley Show book? Um, what to expect? Obviously, you just shared all that, and, uh, um, and yeah, and, and well, yeah. you know, right now, it, you know, it's just pretty much, you know, because I, I, it, the, the, I was I was lucky that I didn't have to self publish, you know, so I don't have these stacks mm-hmm. of books, you know, trying to sell. Um, <laughs> so you know, um, you know, and it came out like in you know over 10 years ago. So uh, right now, I'd, probably the best place is Amazon yeah, and, yeah. you know, get the paperbacks are still, still available. And um, uh, yeah, they're, you know, and probably, that's probably awesome, discounted. Man. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I think it's uh Christmas. Definitely man is, is, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that your guys' relationship is closer right now. And you, uh, Obviously, get to share some some pretty cool stuff about him, but I but I I love chatting with you about you as well because you're doing some awesome things too, public speaking, um, you know, obviously going around sharing, um, you know, why you're in recovery and all that stuff. I, th- I think it's much needed, man, in this state. And Thank I just you. 
you know, I, I commend you. Well, for you know, it's funny. I've been doing this for over 20 years, as I said, with the foundation and the mm-hmm. book and uh, going out and talking to, um, you know, uh, schools and, and community groups. And it's, as I said before, some of those times um, over the last 20 years, there was some, you know, a couple of pockets where I was actually also sober uh, and that was okay. Um, but over the last two years, to be able to do this and talk, you know, do the same talk as I always did, but now adding, you know, I was talking about somebody else's recovery that whole time. Mm. And I was talking about somebody else's struggles, somebody else's treatment, somebody else's um, success in recovery. And, you know, of course, somebody else's, you know, um, um, ultimate end. But um, being able to add my own story to that just has made it so much more authentic for me. I, I don't know if the, if my audiences notice any difference or because it's maybe seem sound the same. But for me, just being able to, you know, now when I'm talking about recovery, I'm talking about my recovery and and I get it now. I, I, I understand it because um, I'm living it. And so I just think um, it's uh, it's ad- added a lot more uh, just just to the impact that I can bring. And it couldn't have come at a better time because, you know, I had a year of sobriety before the pandemic and obviously, you know, a year during the pandemic, but um, I've been really busy this last year because of the fact that we are probably going to see a real um, uh, spike. We're already seeing that. I mean, we in, in, in yeah. not just not just in this, but also in mental health issues. You know, health, uh, crisis lines mm. are you know they're going through the roof uh, with calls and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So. We, we're doing the work now. And um, it dawned on me, like it was last December, right before the pandemic, I did a, an event up in um, in uh, um, St. Paul with Hazleton, which is a, a great treatment center where Chris actually went and got help. Um, and it was direct. The audience was first responders because, you know, first responders, you know, they have the same issues we do. But they, you know, they have this kind of like, I'm a hero. I don't, I can't have this, you know, substance Mm. issue. I can't have this mental health issue. I've got to put on a, you know, a mask and I can't, you know, I can't let the people around me know, uh, certainly know. And I, and, and, and because I don't let them know, they can't help me. And so it was this talk to first responders uh, about uh, how to, you know, look for, you know, signs and, and help people around them. And, and, uh, it dawned to me doing that, that like, that's what I was with Chris out. And my family was out in New York. And when it was just Chris and I, when he was at Saturday Night Live and he was, you know, in danger of losing his dream job because of his, um, uh, his addiction. Um, I was there, you know, trying to, trying to help him. And so, you know, I, I spent the last year just kind of, you know, playing up that notion of being a first responder uh, to the people around you. Look, look for the look for the warning signs and and look for uh, ways to help the people around you because you are the first responders to the to your friends and family, and uh, um, they're gonna pe- people. You know, you think they're fine, but look harder and and, and get them out because it's it's uh, it's been a really tough year. 
And so I love that notion. So I love, you know, and just and inspiring people to be um, the first responders to, to the, to the people that they uh, uh, love and the people they, they, you know, live and work with around them in the community. So that's been good. Well, I have a question since uh, you said this past two years have felt different since you've gone sober. Have you noticed your relationship with your family? Like, uh, I believe, do you have any kids? Have you noticed a difference yeah. in relationship oh my with gosh, them? Yeah. Or? Thanks for asking that. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one thing I uh, noticed. Uh, it, it was actually more of an uh, expectation when I stopped drinking this last time, um, and was one of the reasons why I did it, well, a small reason, but, it, you know, was um, I, I was promised weight loss, and that is a myth. That, <laughs> yes, it is. That is absolutely <laughs> yes, it is. a lie. Don't believe it. Um, that, and maybe it's the COVID again, but, you know, like, I haven't lost a dime's worth of weight. So more handy now than I did uh, before totally, I started. Totally, totally. So I, I, you know, those are obviously other issues I need to work on. Has a different bucket. So um, uh, aside from that, yeah, you know, um, the, the 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 first couple things that I um, or the first, the really the first thing I dealt with in recovery of all the steps and everything is that I just I, I read it I. I, I thought about it and I just embraced it was the concept of rigorous honesty. And mm. I, gosh, I don't know if it's because I'm, you know, a drinker uh, or because I'm Irish. I don't know, but I had a, just a lifetime of bullshit. I mean, I was such, I was so full of, you know, uh, you know, creating this, you know, image of myself to others and building it, building on it. That was based on just such, you know, just, it, it, it just was all, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't reality. Um, or, or really wasn't, didn't have much in it, much reality. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, so embracing that and just, um, really, uh, showing that and talking about it and talking about my struggles and, and talking about the mistakes I made in my life and owning them and, you know, and, and also, um, making amends and my mm. kids, uh, I think they saw it, they saw it, uh, 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 with them, but they also, I think they really saw it in the attitude, um, uh, that I had with, their mother with my ex-wife. Um, you know, I started being, you know, I started, obviously made, made some amends a little bit um, at a time, you know, and not fully, there's still a lot of work there, but, and just being open and honest and, um, uh, and being able to communicate, you know, without, without fear. Um, and I think my kids saw that because before there was that there was, there was all the stuff that comes with, you know, and my kids are all in their 20s, so it didn't really, it wasn't that impactful for them, but it was important that their two parents, um, you know, weren't just, um, you know, it's not that they were, you know, not that we needed to be, you know, 
together in their lives all the time, but we still are, the, you know, had to operate as, as parents, you know, the, you, you, that doesn't stop. And so um, just to be able to communicate more, I, they, I don't know. I, I think they saw that and they appreciated it. Um, not that I was like bad mouthing her all the time. Um, just some of the time. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, I, again, uh, we were married a long time. And so uh, it, it, you know, I didn't like that, 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 that time right at the end where there was, there was just kind of different, you know, all the feelings kind of came out and we didn't deal with those feelings. So, you know, and that there was anger, resentment, all that kind of stuff. So we got through that. And I think my sobriety helped me uh, get back to a place where, um, yeah, this is, you know, um, this is my, my kid's mother and, you know, somebody I've known since college and uh, it's all good. And I don't, I, if I was drinking, that would not be the case. And it would take, have taken a huge toll on my, on my kids. I'm, I'm certain of that. Hmm. I like, I like that, man. I like that. I like the, I like the insight, man. RJ, awesome question. Yeah. Um, which, which kind of goes back to what we've, we've been saying, man, where it's, 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 you know, you do it for yourself. You know, everybody around you is going to kind of reap yeah. the benefits no, of, of a sober you. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's most definitely it's it's rich, it's rich in a sense, and I and I and I most definitely love that stuff. I really, really, really do, and uh, hopefully our listeners will, will soak that in too because it's it's important, especially now with COVID. Um, you know, people feeling isolated, um, people mm. not being able to do their daily normal routine is is you know negatively impacting people's um, mindset. So we just <laughs> got to focus on. Yeah, and I think hobbies too, like that's, that's a huge thing. Um, especially in Wisconsin in the summer, everybody has their hobbies. Like, you know, I play, I play softball a lot. Um, there was no softball this year. Uh, like, so I lost you all my swing. sports. Um, basically yeah. I'm just going to keep ignoring you talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but that's something with COVID where like a lot of people had to pivot and find new hobbies or new outlets of stress. Some people, I think, definitely, um, you know, had that liquor store speed dial going on. Um, oh yeah, I talked know. to, <clears throat> I talked to a, a person I ran into that went to liquor store. Um, just kind of this, just kind of in the kind of like a lonely little liquor store, you know, off in the corner outside of, uh, yeah, outside of, of of Madison proper. And I said, you know, how, geez, how's COVID going? And they went fantastic i'm like what (laughs) yeah we before you know saturday was our big day it like carried the whole week you know we were dead you know every other day but saturday when people were you know uh getting you know they were they were sitting they were right near a near a a marina so all the boat people would come in or oh sure or there was a, a you know a game or something like that so saturday made our whole week and she goes now we have saturday every single day yeah, Jeez. I mean, we have a Saturday every day of the week, and I'm like, oh my lord! And this is just a small little, you know, um, small little store, you know. <clears throat> so, you know, it's, you know, really, it's going uh, back to what you're saying, um, you know, my hobby, my hobby was drinking. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I did activities, but it was around drinking. 
you know, and, and just kind of making everyone, I was just kind of the, you know, just, you know, the, the little wind up toy. And so I would just be with people. I was like, I was always around people, but it was always had to do with drinking, you know, like, like, um, you know, do you want to go to a, a brewery game? It's like, yeah, but I'm not going Let's to watch drunk. Yeah. yeah, you know, <laughs> um, so I, I didn't have any hobbies. I, you know, um, you know, I, I started when COVID started, I, I like, I got to get out of the house. I was like isolated. So I, I literally started walking and it's like, Oh my God, it takes a mm. freaking pandemic to get into Farley to start exercising. Um, so <laughs> I'm right there with you <laughs> yeah. now. I've now, of course, uh, full disclosure, I've stopped doing that, but for, for you know, for most of the summer, yeah, it was yeah. great. Um, and well, I, the weather and, is colder, so we'll give you a pass. <laughs> Thank you. Well, see you next, uh, June. Yeah. <laughs> That's some funny stuff, man. It's, uh, you know, it's awesome, you know, as, as, cliche as this may sound or what what have you it's just awesome man just to kick it and and talk to to other people meet new people chat with someone like yourself man who who has lived their life in the public eye um obviously um watching you know your yeah. brother um excel in movies and snl and all that stuff and, and you and your family enjoying that it's just awesome man it really is and i hope you know our listeners can understand how, you know, unfortunately addiction doesn't, uh, um, discriminate, but, no. uh, but you can obviously come out of it and, and there's so much beauty to it. And, and, and I think a big part of, you know, why I'm saying this is because it's, it's, it's a blessing, man, to, to meet well, you. Thank it you. really is. And I you don't know, think I would have had the opportunity to nah, meet you yeah. if I was still drinking. Um, yeah, it, yeah. A hundred percent. I, 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 um, I, I love that, you know, I'm, yeah, meeting people in different ways and different, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you just to take a left turn here on that last subject, you know, I, I think what recovery um, might be able to teach us in other ways in our life is that kind of rigorous honesty and just being, you know, maybe it, it starts like in a safe place, like, a, like in the rooms, you know, uh, but it's taught me to be open, really honest about my behaviors and my thoughts and things like that. And mm-hmm. sharing those things in a safe environment has really helped me, you know, hear myself saying this and then, uh, you know, and then, and then being able to really act on it. And that's been great as far as drinking is concerned and my addiction is concerned. But imagine if we did that in other aspects of our life, you know, like, like for instance, all the all the you know the the racial equity stuff that 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 we just got hit in the mm-hmm. face with this summer, uh, you know, after so long, um, the conversations I'm hearing now are, are real kind of you know they're surface level, they're identification type uh, conversations. But when hopefully we get to a point where we dig deeper in t- and have the conversations like we're having now about addiction. If we can go there in other ways in our life. And that's, that is so against the Wisconsin DNA. We love to keep it on the surface, mm. but if we can d- dive deeper into these issues, like we do with, you know, with addiction, man, there's some, there's some great work that could be done. I think. 
I agree. So, I most I, definitely agree. Yeah. I really, really I mean, agree. I, I want to feel this way about other, you know, other, I'd love to be in a group because, you know, I've lived a, you know, you know, I, uh, I try to be this better person in those respects too, but I lived a whole life of, you know, poster boy of, of white privilege. I mean, Jesus. And uh, that's uncomfortable. Same. That's totally uncomfortable for me, you know, in this environment. And I want, I don't want to be there because I've, I've felt this way with my um, addiction. So I'm like, this is very familiar to me. And the only way to do that is to talk. So I, I but I, I don't see those opportunities as much. So I hope that, that we get there in, in society. I think it's starting. I think that um, people are having uncomfortable conversations with uh, family members or bosses or um, yeah. other you ways, know, but you know, it's, yeah. it's small steps and then you kind of get there. Like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also speaking from personal experience. Like I've gone first, you have to identify the privilege. Then there's the guilt of having the privilege. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get past the guilt and you're like, okay, I need to make this better for everyone. Um, so well, everyone can have the yeah. same. I went this a couple of months ago to, I, I blogged on actually to a YWCA CA had a racial justice summit and I was on hopefully just to learn and listen. And, but, and, and just before the, 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 fir- the day ended, the first day ended with this great speaker. And he said, just contemplate this. Where do you feel deep belonging? And I went, and I just, spent the rest of the day and the night thinking about that. I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't know if there is a place like that. And because I, you know, you know, uh, my friends, my family, we, you know, it's all real surface level stuff. You know, I'm, I'm comfortable in places, but deep belonging. I think his point was there are people out there that never feel that where they, wherever they go in society. And I'm thinking like, well, right now, the only place I feel that is in recovery in, 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 you know, with, with my fellow people like that, because, you know, not that I'd like these people, I actually don't, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, I'm talking about, you know, this commonality and, and I'm, I'm really doing great work. And I, when I walk in and, and I've walked, I've done zoom meetings with in AA meetings in, in Illinois. And I've walked, you know, I've, when I travel, I used to go find a meeting and, I can walk into anything and, and share and it feels just great. And I feel total deep belonging there. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of sad and pathetic, but that I, I, I'm hoping that that grows. I find other places outside of recovery where I do also find that deep, deep belonging. And I, you know, I think that, um, that that's, a, that, that's gotta be a great feeling. And I don't, but I don't think Absolutely. a lot of people, um, truly feel that. Um, that's a really good point. And that made me start thinking about my deep belonging. Yeah. And, uh, it's crazy. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to use this a little bit to transition away, but thank you. Packer good. fans. Let's go. You know, yeah. that deep belonging. <laughs> nice. Lam- that deep Lambeau belonging. field. All right. Here's where I check out. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Group of Broncos. I, you, I, spent, I, spent, I hate to tell this to people in Wisconsin, but I, I love my Packers. I grew up here, but I spent, you know, so much, I spent 17 years in New York. So my son and 
we we uh, giants, buddy. We're which is unfortunate too, because God, I was about to say, I'm yeah, sorry it's really about tough. That. Um, but <laughs> it, I know, and I was so excited. We lived what out there good. when freaking you know they drafted Dane, Ron Dane, and I'm like, oh, this is great. So he's gonna yeah. beat the yeah. crap, and they just didn't know how to use them. I, you know, I'm like, come on, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know how it is. Those those darn Wisconsin running backs in the NFL. That's hit or miss, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm I'm honest with my with my performance in the NFL because I was I was uh, pretty heavy into alcohol. I I did not take yeah. it serious uh, when I was with Denver, but uh, but I mean, we could talk Packers. We could talk uh, Giants. I mean, Badgers Arjun, crushing I, those. Oh God, Michigan! Wow. Oh, man, what's going on with Harbaugh and and, and, and well, the I rings, think man. you know, I, I don't know. I just, I maybe it's not a good fit. <laughs> that maybe that has right? to be. I mean, you yeah. look at what he did with Stanford. So it's not like he went from pros to college, yeah. and he hadn't had the recruiting right. aspect before. Right. Like he took Stanford to, you know, national title contenders, and now you get to Michigan where you have the legacy. And the resources, yes, unlimited resources. Yeah, jeez. And it's just, yeah, to watch how they've fallen since he took over. It's just, yeah, and they've never been able to get a quarterback. Is really what their issue's been. Their defense is usually pretty good. They're they always have a couple defensive players that go in the first round. You know, their offensive skill players are always solid. It's just a matter of getting that quarterback to be able to lead you, which is what I feel like the Badgers have had decent quarterback play, but yeah. you know, now we're kind of seeing the possibilities when you think about Russell Wilson and uh, hopefully Graham Mertz yeah. continues to get a little bit better. Well, he's, yeah, he's going, he's just redshirt freshman. Holy crap, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. Playing really I mean, I, I was watching sports center this morning and they were like saying like the odds to win, to win the BCS Wisconsin was third. Yeah. I keep seeing that. I keep oh, wow. seeing that they were always like fourth or fifth, what? and now they're up higher. I mean, I, I, in my lifetime, Are you yeah. serious? I'm in my lifetime. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, their defense right? is no joke. Like, I can't believe how good Benton has gotten in just one year. Like, as a so- true sophomore, the defensive lineman, like that. They also that said dude that, is a beast. Yeah. Um, they also said that um, since 2008, I think. Um, the NFL is, has, uh, Wisconsin's like number two in linemen drafted, like in like round one or two. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, you know, that's, yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's all, I, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll chime in on that because it's, it's for me, I mean, you know, I played with, you know, my, my starting five linemen were, were like the highest yeah. paid in the NFL, I think still to this day, you know, some of them are. And so it's, it's. They pick Wisconsin <laughs> linemen because, at least for me, when I was running at Wisconsin, I saw daylight every single play. You know what? And then you get into the NFL, and it's like, wait a second. You, you know what? It, 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 it's <laughs> wrong, but I've been smaller. I've been saying this to my friends out east and everywhere, and even here. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this was my uh, impression of why, um, no matter what the position is, why that people the pros like recruiting Wisconsin is because um, uh, they're developed, you know, they're not just physically, but these are like some of the smartest 
uh, athletes to come out of, pro, of, of college football. You know, it's, it's just because Wisconsin is just that kind of school, you know. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you may have a Stanford. Yeah, yeah, they're smart, but they're not smart and big or not smart and fast like we are. So it's just that, like, so to be able to go to the pros, you, you really have to be, again, I don't know, but you, you, you have to have a brain on. You got to have a, you know, and, and I think we do an amazing job of, uh, of developing that part of the athlete as, along, along with everything else. And that's why they love us. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you're right, by the way, you know, once you, once you get out of college and you get into the NFL and then you become a starter, there's no more. I mean, yeah, you're still playing to get better, but it's it's more so of yeah. more studying. There's there's less physical activity, uh, you know, with practice in the weight room, but you are in your classroom, your you know running back meeting room or your lineman meeting room all the time studying because once you get to that level, everybody's yeah. fast, yeah. everybody's strong, everybody's big, and it's, now it just comes down to. You know, your brains, how can you, you know, identify this front or this, you know, position or what have you in order to gain that wow. extra edge? Yeah. yeah. So I always thought that was really cool about Wisconsin. That I always, always talked that up. That's true. That's true. I second that for sure. Um, I most definitely second that. So. so what do you think about this? How about this, though? Do you know where they're staying You know, during COVID? <laughs> that is a really good question because I don't know. I, you know, RJ and I spoke about that. What was that, RJ? Probably three or four episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, probably. Maybe I think five. like four episodes ago. We we mentioned how they should have kind of adopted, you know, what the NBA did in a sense for for these college, uh, yeah. you know, student athletes. Because you think about it, you have student athletes going to practice, playing, doing whatever, and then going back into their dorms or back into their apartments with other students who aren't, you know, they don't have to right. practice the same rigorous social distancing guidelines as the student athletes do in order to, you know, for them to keep playing. So I, do. I don't. Well, don't during during saying. during those isolation periods, like two year, two month, two weeks ago, when they were like the, the, the cases were coming up, a lot, a lot of them were being isolated in just horrible conditions. I'm sure uh, at the Edgewater. Oh. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tough life, huh? Yeah, you want to go? That is a well, nice. Uh, how nice about hotel. that? It's like that's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> wow. Probably on the back side of it too, where you know, majority of the rooms on the back side were for them, like at the view of the lake. Exactly. You know, when they wait, opened up their blinds. <laughs> I hate being isolated and they got this beautiful. So lake. yeah. You wonder why they beat the crap out of Michigan uh, last night? They were well rested. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm excited though, man. I uh, what what did you? Here's my question for you, Mons. What did you think of Burger last night? We saw a heavy dose of him. Loved it, loved it, and this goes back to our what episode four or five episodes ago, where maybe three, where I stated, you know, who do I think is going to be the, you know, the running back, the starter, and I called it. I said Burger, although I think Watson's still starting, but I believe everybody can see it and everybody knows it. Burger needs more clock. I, he looks good. He looks, he looks, he looks good. He's fast. He's decisive. You know, especially being a freshman. 
if you're seeing that already as yeah. a freshman, it's like, my goodness, man, this guy's got two, possibly three, depending on if he stays or not, more years of developing, you know, for our Badgers. I love him. Love the way he runs the ball. Just that first play that I saw him have was that uh, out of the backfield he caught it. And I want to say it was a second down, and I think he caught a pass for nine yards. He just looked different coming out of the backfield. It was nice yeah. to see. Yeah. And that's the you know that's what's different between him and Watson. Um, you know, Watson, I want to see him be more decisive with his decisions. You know, you see the whole hit it and what – our running back coach, my running back coach when I was there, it was John Settle, who's there now, but I only had him for two years. And then Thomas Hammock, who was the head coach for NIU, came in for my last two years and kind of changed the way I ran the football for the better because he told me, he said, make a wrong decision at 100%. <laughs> so if you think you're making the wrong cut or going in or, or, you know, making the wrong read, yeah. commit at 100%. You know, make of the wrong decision at 100%. And that changed my whole gameplay because it's like if you hit the wrong hole, it's too late. You already hit it, so go. <laughs> so I'm excited. I really am. And, I, and and Mr. Father, I did not know that about, you know, what Sports Center yeah. shared. It, I was like, wow. I mean, it was amazing. That is pretty cool stuff, man. So it's really exciting time right now to be – you know, in Wisconsin, you know, for us, those in recovery, we, we, we see how we got a lot of work to do now within our community to help people out, um, especially now during COVID and the isolation period. And then obviously with uh, the Badgers, man, they're, they're looking good. And hopefully we can keep our fingers crossed. And, and hey, hey, actually, RJ, didn't they come out, didn't the playoff committee or BCS, what have you, come out and say, like, there's a minimum amount of games you got to play in order oh, to they? Yeah, if they miss another game, they'll miss out. But uh, if they continue to play, it's bowl eligibility. I want to say you have to play, I thought it was eight games to be bowl eligible. And then there's no win requirement for bowl eligibility this year. That's one of the things I noticed last night. It's like, you know, you have this whole, like, stadium. And, like, one of the bigger stadiums around. And, like, I know there's only limited fans, but they're all bunched right together in midfield like yeah come on man like just even the optics of that it's like everyone's supposed to like you know six feet apart except if you go to a football game you can you know huddle up like come (laughs) that's that's one thing i mentioned to my wife yesterday we were watching a food network show and it was you know pre-covid it was filmed but i saw these people together with no masks and i'm like i get a little pit in my stomach anytime i see a group (laughs) of people around and let's say there's no masks or even just a group congregating, it's like, you know, that's going to change. Uh, you're going to see it, you know, probably everybody, if you're sick, it's probably going to be a norm to wear a mask out now, which is yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. But you're always going to have that feeling like, man, I sh- I'm going to be out in public with a lot of people. I should wear a mask. I feel like that's not going to so go funny, away man. for a while. <laughs> no, I That is so funny that you bring that up because I – Watching watching TV shows, I feel the same. I was watching this one show called The Queen's Gamut, and they're playing chess in this show. So they're sitting at a very small table right across from each other, like speed chess, like speed yeah. dating. And you know, they and then they stand up and shake each other's hands, and I always cringe. No, no, like, no, ah. don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's new times, man. New times, new times. So, I mean, that's that's. That's honestly all I had, man, Mr. Farley. Man, I, 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 yeah. 
I think, man, we we spoke about some some awesome stuff, man. Some very important stuff. Obviously, we most definitely appreciate you, man, sharing um, you know some personal stuff with with you know your relationship yeah. with your brother and obviously your book, um, what you're doing now, and and obviously Badgers, man. I, I think it's awesome. I I. You know, we really wouldn't have much to talk about if we if we transitioned to the Giants. Yeah, unfortunately, but, you're right. <laughs> unfortunately, you're right. It's, uh, it's pretty sad. Um, it is. Uh, one thing before it we is. close out, though, we should talk about the Chris Farley Foundation and, uh, you yeah, know, absolutely. what what you're doing over there. Sure. Well, actually, Good thanks catch, for asking because there's a lot of confusion. I, I actually, you know, sh- shut that down a, a, a while ago. Because I was going into schools um, and teaching kids how to communicate better. And, you know, I, I, my, my philosophy was, um, uh, you know, they, they don't need another pamphlet on, you know, what drug is, you know, they, they're getting so much information and knowledge about drugs, but no tools to use that information. Mm. And for me, it was uh, communication. And so I would go in, I modeled after my brothers, all three of them that went to Second City uh, and learned improv. Um, I taught them improv, which was a, a, how to communicate in an ensemble in a in a group setting and and create uh, what I call peer enhanced environments, not uh, as opposed to peer pressured environments. And so that was a lot of fun. I did that for a long time um, and made some amazing, you know, uh, um, had some amazing moments in in these schools. But then after I wrote my book, I was getting more. Um, request to just come in and speak and and kind of do what I'm doing right now and I and really inspire people and and so I, I instead of doing the programs or going to schools I'm doing this now so it just made made no sense to have the foundation it's just me just going out and speaking and um, uh, so uh, it it really it was great it gave me a great platform at the time and did a lot of great work but um, this is the kind of the next phase just you know uh, me just kind of getting to as many people as possible. And, um, and again, uh, being in schools, it was more of a prevention type, uh, uh, theme. Uh, now it's more treatment and recovery. I'm trying to get, now that I'm here, uh, I really want to speak to that group and really make it really help others in that respect. So it's just, a Mm. it it kind of evolution. It just evolved along with me and my own, um, uh, situation program. So, uh, it's been, a, it's been a journey. that's pretty cool. Been a journey. That's pretty cool. That's, that's like, like I stated earlier in, in the episode, man, I commend you for all the work you're doing. And I think right there, what you just stated, what did you want with, uh, with what you're doing with the foundation just speaks. Yeah. Thanks. You know, directly to that is, is you, you want to give back. And, and that's, that's, that's why we wanted to most definitely have you on the show because that's what RJ and I, um, you know, we'll continue to do as well. Just give people a very safe environment, a medium to to listen to, to two guys who two amateurs talk about. Oh, some man, writing. you're nailing it, man! It's really good stuff. It's really good stuff. You got, <laughs> Thank you. You're natural at it. You're really good at it. We appreciate it, man. We really, really do. But uh, I have I, I don't have anything else. Uh, do you, RJ? Uh, no, I think that's a. This was a really good episode. This was a lot of fun talking to you. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get together once things kind of cool um, off. Us three, get yeah, definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely. Let's do that again. I'm just laughing <laughs> the last yes, time sir. we went there. So. Yeah, it was a little weird, wasn't it? At that at that restaurant, we'll, we'll name drop. Wow. 
Holy snake. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it off the air here or whatever. <laughs> but, but Tom, good guys. You, awesome. Honestly. If people Thank wanted God. to follow you, Tom, where could they follow you? Uh, you know, I, you know, my, Mad Farley is my kind of my thing. It's, it, it stands for, you know, Madison, you know, but it could be crazy. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so uh, it's me, you know, my Instagram, I think it's Mad Farley and, you know, at Mad Farley mm-hmm. and, and Twitter. So. That's cool, man. That's cool. And then they can obviously go to Amazon for your book, Chris Farley Show. Cool. Absolutely. That's cool stuff. Um, Well, you guys can find me at uh, Monteball28 on Twitter, Monteball on Instagram, and uh, obviously our untapped keg pages as well on social media. Please uh, send us topics, questions, what have you, and uh, and we'll most definitely answer them. RJ, where can we find you? I'm at It's Trickster on Twitter, ITZ. It's a one instead of a nine, Trickster. yeah, f- untapped keg everywhere. People can find us if you just Google it. We're the only thing that comes up. It's kind of cool. cool. Um, yep. Yeah, this was this was a fantastic episode. I I really enjoyed it. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Tom. It's My pleasure. It's joy fun. to hear you talk about it. Right. Everything and uh, appreciate your honesty as well. Yeah. Well. Mm. It, yeah, it feels good. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. So. Let's uh, try to be better tomorrow than we were today, because at least if we fail, we're trying. Everyone, have a good week. Thanks for tapping into some Untap Keg. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.